Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. While you're in sunny Florida, be sure to visit... Orlando! Enter into a world of epic adventure. All right, hey everybody out there. Uh, this is Adam. Welcome to Warlando tonight. I'm also here with Nicholas. Yeah, welcome Nicholas. Let's uh, let's talk about some Warhammer tonight. We're going to talk about Gyran, the Realm of Life, uh, and all about the Realm of Battle Rules, the artifacts, and the magic, and a little bit of like what we like and don't like about the Realm of Life. In yeah, general. sounds great. Yeah, the Realm of Life. The Realm of Life. I feel like that's how it should be said sometimes. Uh, and why is that? I don't know. Like, I just feel like life is always like it's breathing. Mm-hmm. So it's like a breath. It's like oh. the realm of life. Yeah. And it's either like, it's kind of also mixed with an idea of like a, like a death rattle. Like. Yeah. And they're like polar opposites. Yeah. Like yeah. you're either breathing life into something or you're taking it away. Mm. I uh, like it. I like it. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Um, I don't know, just uh, kind of, um, well, you know, not to be, uh, um, uh, or not to not talk about it, but, you know, we're building Orlando and we're trying to build up what, you know, what we're doing with Orlando and, 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 and our efforts there. So I'm... Um, so, so I'm thinking about like, what are we going to be recording? What are the different things we want on the table? Kind of just continuing to finish the army, continuing to, to, to look at, you know, where is my army going to be fighting? What, what realm yeah. is my army going to be fighting in? And then trying to think of the backstory of the kind of different heroes and models and things that I want to use. And then thinking, you know, where do they come from? What city, what realm, you know, what's their backstory? And then trying to build that into uh, what, whatever it is that I do, like uh, the, the paint scheme, the mod, you know, the basing, and then um, designing some, uh, and then thinking about where we're going to produce some of the content we're going to do, like what realm is that going to be in? And then trying to think about um, what uh, terrain pieces are going to be in those uh, realms and what would they look like? And so that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like planning that stuff. So I'm trying to like look at what I have, try to plan how I can paint it as we're moving through this book and the different realms, trying to look at what those realms look like and uh, what I can build into it. Like, for example, we did the Akshi episode and we talked about what if we did Akshi terrain? What would that look like? Yeah. And I just think about taking, um, you know, some of those, uh, um, you know, like I have these like 40K, um, oh, what do you call them? Like uh, the, um, the uh, impact craters. Yeah, the craters. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. But the impact craters and then thinking like, what would that look like in Akshi? And I feel like that would just be like, I feel like a crater would work well, but it would be like bubbling out lava. Yeah. You know, so like getting lava in the cracks, you know, putting lava pool in the inside of the crater and maybe spilling some out of the sides and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like it. 
when it comes to Warhammer, my hobby, I spend so much time planning versus actually building. What drives me crazy is when I start a big plan like this and realize, ah, uh, it didn't uh, really work the way yeah. I wanted it to work. I've committed this so much. There's so many bases I've repainted because I wanted to change realm or change, subtly change the differences. For my Witch Elf army, I'm planning to have them uh, based in the realm of shadow. But I'm torn because I have this table that I made and I still want them to blend with the base. And so I'm thinking, like, do mm. I want to take some of the grass back off and just have it more of a of a gray with a blue? You know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going back and forth. Yeah. What do you think with your Karadran overlords? Where, what realm are they from? Um, I'm thinking Chaman. Yeah. And uh, Chaman. <laughs> uh, so I think, um, you know, they, they, they would be from... from the realm of metal but yeah. of course like they're in the sky and so they're going to be up in the sky and 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 so it's really for them terrain is a little bit i feel like uh a little bit more difficult to think about because you're never fighting in their territory yeah and so i've i've had thoughts about like well what if we did fight in the Karadron territory, like on their floating cities, what would that look like? So, um, so I, I think that could happen. I I've kind of been like trying to put together like some modular pieces that would be, um, like plates of rock. And so that I can move these, you know, I, I can assemble these plates of rock how I want. So I could have like a whole section as like a few plates of rock, um, like stone that, has been built into that area. And then, um, and that could either be like, you know, in the sky city, this is like, these are like plates of their city that are floating in the sky. Um, and then, uh, and then I think, um, you know, I feel like if I did the car drawn like Skyport, I feel like I would have to build in some bridges and then some gaps. And so, like, you can't um, – so here would be, like, a dream. Like, you're playing in a skyport. Well, now you have to, like – you can't just travel across the board. You have to, like, go across some of these bridges in these gaps because it's kind of like you're floating and all the pieces aren't always connected. You know what I mean? That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. That, so, visually, that sounds really, really fun yeah. to play on. Have, like, this, like, blue board or this, like – grayish white board that's just you're just looking down at clouds yeah with all these floating pieces on top of it right and then so so that's what i've been thinking about a lot is modular pieces so how can i how can i have like a a two by two piece a one by one piece you know like all these different pieces that i can kind of move around yeah that's awesome yeah uh i've been uh working on my witch elves and trying to get them fully painted um, before we go to Crucible in October. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's one of those things that I've just kind of, I don't know why, like I've just been, I keep getting distracted. I jump into other projects, and so I've still got this 2,000-point army that's just not fully painted yet. Uh, I've been working on it for so long, and I just haven't finished it. So I think I feel like this will be a big milestone for me when I finally get them done. Let's help me track my progress, because I'm, yeah. I'm making this commitment to getting it done. <laughs> Plus, I'm editing podcasts and... Yeah, I've I've got a big hobby commitment going on right now. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, when you when you look at it, it's great to plan it and what do I want to do? And then it's like then you gotta find the time to get down and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um finding that time to 
commit to it. And, you know, when you plan a project and you think, oh, I could do this in a weekend. And then you sit down and you start doing it like, nope, this is going to take the rest of the year. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I as well have to finish my army, my 2000 point army. And I'm thinking about changing it a little bit. So I think my changes would be, um, you know, based on some of the new rules that came out uh, or modified rules, you know, because of Age of Sigmar 2.0. Yeah. And so I think I might want to change the army around a little bit, but I do have to finish painting it. So, yeah. What what I I love that the game is constantly changing and evolving. It's what keeps it exciting. You know, there's mm-hmm. new seasons of war and new additions. Uh, but that does affect your army every time something changes. So the, the, the malign sorcery came out and all of a sudden, I, well, I think I should have a more magic heavy mm. army. So that does change my army composition. You know, what do I try to put in yeah. uh, to take advantage of that? So you're never fully done. No. You know, never no. completely done. But at least if you've got that 2,000 points done, when the modifications come, you're not you're not finishing a 2,000 point army. You're just you're just working on the new units you're putting in. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like you're just focusing on then that 120 points or that 250 points, not the 2000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm most of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's coming along. Yeah. So what are some of the new models that you've uh, put into your army? Well, I did pick up Marathi. Mm. So uh, for the daughters that came, Marathi, she's the big bad. I'm almost done. I was uh, worried about that. <laughs> ah, yeah, she's so cool. I, I put it off for a long time getting her because I wanted to do my army themes around the Loth character from Dungeons and Dragons, the Spider Queen, and then Marathi's the big bad guy. I kept thinking, how could I do her spider themed? But I think I'm just going to go with the same color scheme and do her as uh, Marathi. Like I'll still, I'm not going to modify her other than just going with my own color scheme and just because okay. she's Marathi. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I need to do anything else. But I did make some modifications just to like tie her into to our group, Orlando, and, and yeah. what we've been doing. I'm All excited right. to show them off. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I don't think I've seen these modifications. Nope, not yet. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping you're going to enjoy it. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. It's so exciting to to put together a new model and yeah, and put it out there. Yeah. They kind of changed some things around, and and um, you know, for for Cardron, you know, uh, Overlords for for 2.0, and so I'm playing with the idea of these thunders mm-hmm. and these rifle guys that. I don't ever see played. Now, I, I don't see a lot of KO in the circles that we play. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about that they have the army and that they're putting it together and they want to play it, but I haven't seen it yet. And so here in Orlando, I haven't seen that army played a lot here in Orlando. I've just seen myself play it. And, yeah. and, um, and I don't see a lot of thunders. But I think now, because they've changed some things around... Um, it's it, it might be worth trying them. So I have a new list that I want to try where I would take 10 of those guys and I would take them in my boat with my engine riggers. And when I drop a force down, you know, in somebody else's, you know, neck of the woods, um, I'm going to be dropping down these guys. And the ether chemist gives, a, you know, a certain weapon plus one attack. So if I go with um, the Barak Urba's um, Skyport, rules mm-hmm. that 
chemist can buff two units that turn. So he can buff the engine riggers, which have the chainsaws. Yeah. And uh, the rifle guys, and they get two shots, so giving them an extra one, that's 10 guys, that's 30 shots. So the chainsword guys, they get the uh, chainsword guys would get an extra attack to their chainsaw. Mm -hmm. And so they're good for like melee and stuff like that. Um, And then uh, and then I would have, um, you know, my my battle line guys hanging out in the back with those sky hooks that shoot. And then I would have a chemist back there buffing two separate units of six sky hooks. I'd be like 12 on one side and 12 on the other. So I think that's kind of like my my new idea. So I, in the back, I'm gonna have this rain of sky hooks just coming down, and then on the and then like right in your you know, knocking on your front door is gonna be a bunch of chainsaws and rifle shots. That's awesome. So. It's still like tactically, it's still something I have to wrap my head around. After all the games we've played before with uh, dark elves versus dwarves, now dealing with the Karadran overlords, like they're they're in your face turn one. Yeah, there's nothing you can do, they're and that's different from the doors I used to play. Oh yeah, it's very different. So back you know in the old world, mm. like you know, I I couldn't move very well. I mean, there were games where I'd be like chasing people around because I, you know, like um, somehow like got caught on one side of the board, and then like they decided, well, the fight's not there anymore. I'm leaving to the other side, and then like all the elves fly away or run away. And then here I am like spending the rest of my game, like trying to get this unit of guys like running across the board. Yeah. Uh, your four inch movement. That's a, it takes a while to get yeah. from one end to the other. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited to put some of these, um, or, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to finish this 2000 point army for crucible. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. So is it, it's like two days, um, five games total, Mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday uh, for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So it's been getting a little bit more popular. So that's so that's good. I hope so. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It was a pretty good turnout last time I was there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of the same. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so tonight we are planning to talk about Gairan, the realm of life. So I guess we'll take a, a quick break now and then we will move into the realm of life. Gairan burgeons with all forms of life, from the most massive Gighemoth to the tiniest parasitic spore. Known as the Jade Kingdoms, the realm's people vary wildly in form and temperament. The Gairanites have suffered much under Nurgle's invasions, and none more so than the denizens of the Everspring Swath. All right, and we're back. We are back from our break, and we are going to start talking about Gairan, the realm of life. The realm of life. Yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the realm of life has uh, an interesting history. It seems like it's the second most involved area in uh, all of the realms of Sigmar. It's had the most story development, and I remember following along with some other podcasts as this was... Uh, evolving with all the the Nurgle releases when that was happening a couple years ago, uh, and, and the Alarial and the Sylvaneth and their rivalry with Nurgle and Stormcast part in all of that. It's been it's been fun to read. Um, uh, what do you think? Yeah, um, the Realm of Life, not 
you know, not, I wouldn't say it's like my second favorite, you know, I, you know, it's the second in our series. I don't really think it's up there on my list. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I'm, and, and reading through this, it's definitely more dynamic than it seemed at first. Just yes. like when we were talking about actually the realm of fire, that, uh, the pictures I saw, um, didn't seem to line up with, uh, what was in the text, even mm. though I love both, um, with, with the realm of life, it, it seemed very, in the beginning, it seemed very two dimensional. It was this like jungle planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, which is still a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not, not thinking about, you know, there are polar caps. There are, there are cold areas and hot areas. It's not all one temperate zone throughout the planet. Uh, yeah. The realm. Yeah. And so, that's what we've, you know, like felt from before was like, it was just a forest. Yeah. Yeah. Just like one big never ending forest. Right. Um, but no, it's a very diverse land. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I find the back, I find the backstory of this realm really interesting, like where it came from, like how it started. And, um, I guess they call that the age of myth. So that's like the, the ancient history of Gairan and then like how it kind of came up into the age of chaos and then the age of Sigmar. So for me, I felt like that start was really interesting. So I kind of found some, found some interesting points there that I thought, uh, were notable. Yeah. Uh, so what stood out to you? Um, I think, um, you know, the realm of life, it starts with just kind of setting the tone, setting, um, the idea that it, 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 it is a lush and green environment. So maybe, maybe not always the same kind of like, um, not always the same kind of ecosystem, but it, it is lush. It is green. There is life. There yeah. is plants. There's, you know, animals, there's people, there's all of the stuff that make up guy ran. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the story, um, it kind of sets up how they're like, it is a place coveted by the Lord of plagues. Yeah. So, or father of plagues, sorry. Mm -hmm. So, um, Papa Nurgle. Yeah. Papa Nurgle, you know, is like, Hey, you know, this place is, is, is a great place for spawning and growing things. Yeah. So I need to get in on that, you know, but it's, you know, it's, he doesn't grow things in the same way. Yeah. And so it kind of creates also this, this good villain for his, the realm. His Nurgle is one of the greatest characters in all of age of Sigmar because yeah. of uh, his, he clearly thinks he's the good guy Yes, and he is actually good for his group. You know, like he's, uh, he 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 is spawning life. You know, he is bringing life. He's protecting his people, and he is like he's bringing brilliant, lush life to the world. But the life he's bringing is you know maggots and flies and <laughs> and right. It's rot smelly decay, things, but it's rot and decay that brings about new life. Like you think of like a trash heap as being like this disgusting, awful thing. Right. But there's maggots and flies and all these other things that are 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 living off of it, and it's for them. Uh, a lush landscape. Right. You know, that's right. Still, yeah. Yeah. So when he goes in somewhere, he's like, Ooh, I just like, I need to bring life into this place. I just need to, I just need to spread 
you know, the seed of Nurgle across mm. the land and just watch it grow, even though it's like filth. Yeah. So from a certain point of view, Alariel and Nurgle are, are kind of the same. They're kind of a yin and yang with the same objective of just bringing and spreading life. Right. And they see beauty in a different way. Yes. And, yeah. and you know, like, you know, and there's that, you know, saying of like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like a really interesting villain in that when a villain thinks they're right. Yeah. That's, that's, those are the best villains. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So I think it just sets up a great villain for the realm. Um, and then it, it, it kind of also brings in other big players. So yeah. Nagash is a big player for the realm of life, which is yeah. interesting because is he, interesting. you know, is all about death. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings in kind of like a little bit of that, um, a kind of like a third dimensional yin and yang. I don't know. That doesn't yeah. even make sense. I don't think but but it does. So like, a, I'll have to find it and put it up somewhere, but there's this beautiful animation of our solar system, but it's our solar system in travel hmm. where it's, uh, the, the sun is in its own orbit and then the other planets are orbiting the sun and it's this beautiful spiral of, of life through space. And that's like you're saying, a three-dimensional um, uh, yin and yang. It's these, it's these all these different things in motion and feeding energy to each other. And, yeah. Um, and the cycle of life, too. And death is part of the cycle of life. Like in uh, Last Jedi, when Luke is uh, telling Rey to reach out and, and feel the Force, and she's seeing all the, the decay and the new life and the birth and death and... And that, mm. that cycle, how they all feed together, and they're all part of one cycle. So Nagash, Nurgle, Alariel, they're all part of the same cycle. Yeah. But they want their cycle to be dominant. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just like the story about, you know, the the continent of Neos and um, the continent of Decrepita and how they kind of um, are different and... Um, and how they kind of come about, um, decrepita, uh, you know, like they challenge each other. And in one way, decrepita is, um, found like stealing newborns and pods from, uh, from Neos. Yeah. And yeah. And so, so they steal it and, uh, and then Neos finds out and then, you know, they all get upset and they're kind of, um, they're not really, um, you know, they're not like a, a warlike folk. And so they're, they're, they're a kind folk and, and then here they are like, but no, you're stealing the newborn. So that enrages them and then they fight back. Um, and so that's, you know, um, so that's interesting. So you kind of see this battle and then, and then Sigmar shows up and Sigmar is like, I need to bring, uh, some civility to this land. (laughs) And so then he kind of just starts creating some cities and he um, he calls it like blessing or whoever wrote this yeah. says that Sigmar blesses the land with civilization. Yeah. And so that's just like, you know, like I kind of talked about it in, um, in the last, you know, podcast about Akshi and about how it's just, it's really interesting how like this book is definitely written from the point of view of a follower of Sigmar. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, this Be- is like a... a- one of the, the priests of Sigmar is the one who's actually putting this pen to paper and where Sigmar's always going to be the good guy no matter right. what actually happens. Right, right. So he's blessing this land with civilization, which really what it sounds like is he's colonizing. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's colonizing. <laughs> in the beginning, it did sound like he he did rescue everybody from chaos, which is it was a good thing that he did that because we don't want to all be slaughtered by corn. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's his version of civilization. It's his version of good and justice, which not necessarily even the other order factions would agree with probably most of the time, including Alarial, who's more like, in D&D terms, I think of her as a chaotic good mm. kind of yeah. character. If you guys know the D&D alignment terms, so she's, she doesn't necessarily have any laws that she abides by, but she's going to do good for her own people. Um, even though order is usually associated with lawfulness, yeah, I, I do see her as just her own, she's, she's a force of nature. Yeah. You know, she's not so much a a, a good or evil. She's this force of, of nature that's going to take care of her, her own version of life. Yeah. And that's probably like another, man, that could probably be another podcast is talking about like understanding what armies make up order, like yeah. why they make up order, you know? And like, like you said, like order, you think law, yeah, you know, but then you have these characters that are chaotic. Yeah. Not chaos, but they're chaotic. Yeah, like for example, like the the daughters of Cain who worship, uh, you know, the god of murder. They, uh, how are they different than orcs? Yeah, uh, right. Worshiping Gorka Morka, the orcs. Right. I mean, what? How are they less chaotic? I guess because they have, they're more advanced. Maybe maybe it's just that like Sigmar is okay with them. That's why they're <laughs> in order. Like Sigmar yeah. says, "You're on my side. I don't want you guys." Yeah. So it's, it's like. The order, the the allegiances that we know are because Sigmar created those. Yeah, they're, you know? they're still in the alliance. At one point in the in the the, the wars of chaos, like he uh, in the next chapter, they talk about the resurrection of Nagash, but um, Sigmar apparently deliberated about whether or not he was going to resurrect Nagash, and he decided to do it because he wanted Nagash as an ally. So mm. for a period of time. All the gods were allied against the chaos gods uh, until they split up again eventually. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like it's the same way with the order armies. Maybe eventually these factions could split, and, we, and we're still going to, on the table, they're going to fight all the time no matter what. You know, <laughs> right, They're right, not right. really aligned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like a little bit more about Decrepita. Um, like Decrepita, uh, this continent, kind of I feel like took more cycles of um, uh, kind of like seasons. And so there was a cold spell, there's then the warm spell and, and whatever, you know, it's, it's like you get the cycle of life. So when it's cold, things die, they go dormant. Um, then, you know, a spring comes, it warms up, things start coming back to life. Um, you know, and, and, and so decrepita is known for this kind of cycle. And so it, it attracts Nagash. And so now Nagash has laid eyes upon Gairan. And so he comes into Gairan and, um, uh, and, um, Alariel is here and she's kind of taken up with some of the other continents. And I think they kind of create some sort of a pact, mm -hmm. right? They kind of create some sort of like, Hey, you're fine over there and I'm fine here. Right. So if it, as long as that's okay, then we're cool. And then Sigmar, of course, is here as well. And he's like, hey, 
you know, we all got to go fight chaos together. So let's band together. And, and he kind of, you know, creates his, uh, alliance and, 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 and they fight together. Um, and so there's kind of this understanding in the realm of life at that time. Um, and then, uh, um, and then I think from there, things kind of start to break down. Yes. Uh, yeah, they do seem to break down there. There's mild mention of the Wanderers for all of us that used to like the, the Wood Elves. Uh, so the Wanderers are mentioned briefly in here, but I guess they have a falling out with the Everqueen at some point. Uh, the Hunter God is mentioned here as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kuranoth, I guess he's now Kuranothiel. Oh, no, that's his place. But Kuranoth is still around, and he's still part of uh, the Age of Sigmar, if you guys remember him from times past. But yeah, he's not uh, active here. Um, they talk about this guy. One of the things that stood out to me was the coming of Behemat, who's a behemoth named Behemat. He's like mm. a, a giant of giants. Okay, yeah. And he comes through, and he's he's finding this like verdant land just teeming with life and cattle, and he gorges himself endlessly. And this is this very old mythology way he gorges himself and then uh, he regurgitates just giants just like all these gargants he just regurgitates them in this very same way like if you remember your mythology I think uh, didn't Zeus spring from his father's head then he like bursts whole from his titan father I can't remember which one it's somewhere in Greek uh Roman Greco-Roman mythology, the one of the gods just springs whole from someone's head. There's so much of that same kind of mythology here. Yeah, and they say that Behemoth becomes he uh, he dies at that point and just becomes this whole mountain range where the giants live. Oh, cool! It's like where his like his body ended up. Somebody's going to listen to this and say this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because <laughs> I'm just quoting from what I, went, I read a week ago. Uh, yeah. But that's that's the way I took it, and that's the way I'm interpreting it. And I like the thought of in this realm of life, there is this mountain range just full of giants, which does sound very like the old um, fantasy Tolkien type fantasy that, that that does exist in the realm of life here too. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's a good comparison because when I think about Nagash, I feel like I kind of think about. Um, Sauron a little bit Mm -hmm. and and kind of the way that he spoke in Lord of the Rings movies you know and then like you know all that kind of stuff to me felt feels very Nagash oh yeah and like the um the Nazgul and stuff they feel very much like white kings and you know like these um uh and then seeing like the Morgast and stuff like that from the models I just I think I think Lord of the Rings and <clears throat> and the Nazgul and and Sauron and stuff like that, um, but I feel like this realm could probably be very Lord of the Rings. Yeah, this could be Middle Earth. Yeah, this whole realm uh, potentially. I mean, when uh, Sam and Frodo are led into the bog, you know, that's the mm-hmm. that kind of led into Nurgle territory there. Yeah, there's weird growths, there's weird things, but it's teeming with life. Yeah. Um, and death yeah. because in those bogs too, you see like the floating dead guys and stuff like that, that almost like draw 
Frodo in, you know, yeah. and then like, um, and then, uh, uh, Gollum has to like pull him out. Yeah. You that, know? Yeah. And that to have this like ghost swamp in the yeah. middle of everything that, that feels very much like it's alive and well yeah. in this, in, in, uh, Guy Ran. Huh. Maybe I like Guy Ran just a little bit, a little <laughs> bit better. Well, I feel like with all these, the more we talk about them, the more they come to life. Yeah. You know, you read, you look at the pictures, you read it on the page and it's like, okay, here's what happened and this is why it happened. And you know, here's the history. But then once you start talking about it and how you would include it in your games, it becomes this more rich world, which is why we're doing this, why we're right. talking about exactly. it. Exactly. We want to, we want to see this world really come to life. And yes. And that's what was la- I, I feel like was lacking before. And now that I feel like we have, we're equipped with the ability to create the realm as we want it to be. Yeah. And as we think it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like everything that I felt like I lost when Age of Sigmar came to be, mm-hmm. right now I feel like I've got it all back. I've got, this is the game I want to play. Yep. It has this rich in-depth world where I can just immerse myself in, in the models, what's on the table, the rules, and this fantasy world that surrounds the whole thing. It's just, it's this fully immersive experience. Yeah. Right. Um, so here we are, um, you know, things happened. It just kind of says that, um, like, uh, the Alliance breaks down, you know, it's, it doesn't really give like real specific reasons why. Which stuff like that, I think, is great opportunity to build that into your game and into your, uh, you know, into your narrative. Is what are the specific reasons why, you know, all of a sudden the realm of life, you know, like war is breaking out between um, death and Sylvaneth or something like that. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden there's this just like this rift. Um, what was the reason? Create it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and then that can be part of your narrative is building in that unknown part. Cause we really just get like a paragraph that just says, um, uh, that they, they don't abide by their truce and violence breaks out. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I find that fascinating. <laughs> I think the, the soul wars, uh, part of it too. I, I expected to see some of that mentioned here that I didn't, um, I know with the Daughters of Cain, and this is where I'm going to show my Warhammer ignorance, uh, with the Daughters of Cain, uh, they, they've captured Slanesh, and Slanesh at the end, end of the world that was consumed all of the elves, or like a huge portion of the elves, consumed you know, all these elves, and they're, they're stored within him. And now that the elf alliance, they've been uh, rescuing these elf souls from within Slanesh, and uh, returning them into corporeal forms. I thought the same thing was happening with um, Alariel, with all of her, um, all those models that are the uh, half ghost, half tree hmm. models. I thought those were elf souls or forest souls that had been rescued. So I could see Nagash being upset about that and feeling like, oh, these are my souls. Yeah. You know, if, if they're not going to Slanesh, these, these should all be mine. If they were dead, they're mine now. And so I could see that being a major rift too, if she's also rescuing elf souls as part of the soul wars. There's this other city uh, that I found really fascinating, the Greywater Fastness. Uh, okay. They, they uh, create a fortress uh, and they, like you would to protect your fortress, they level all the ground that's close enough 
so that they have full range with their guns, you know, their weapons. They can they can see this huge distance and see who's approaching. But that means they've cut down all these trees. And it says here they, they created a, a chemical-ridden swamp, which is the antithesis of everything Alarial is about. Uh, and it sounds like Nurgle would hate that too, because if it's chemical-ridden, maybe so maybe nothing's going to grow there, even his stuff. Um, so they end up, um, I mean, being put to task by uh, the Sylvaneth saying, you stop what you're doing. Uh, we're only going to allow you in and out by this one path. They were going to just um, uh, put up a blockade so that they couldn't get in or out, but they would have all died in that city. So it's like a, a peace treaty. They said, okay, no more cutting anything else down, and you can only go in and out from this one path. And if you stray from this path, you'll be killed by our forced spirits. So that reminds me of Tolkien, too, when the uh, uh, Treebeard sends that whole ancient forest, moves that entire forest over to, um, at the end of the two towers, when the orcs are defeated, they all get destroyed in that one forest that he made. Like, the thought of all these, like, ants yeah. uh, that are just out there just waiting. Yeah, and getting all these, enraged and yeah, all these, now like, they're ready to fight. Yeah, all these Sylvaneth. You, you, you can't even tell you're standing next to one because you can't tell it's not a plant until it just starts killing you. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and and, and that's really interesting because um, I did read a story about Hammerhall in Gyran and it, it, it definitely was, it was from the, the book of of like Age of Sigmar's short stories or something. And so it was talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, Hammerhall guy ran and in, in the time of now and, and how like, uh, the city teeming with humans and stormcast and all sorts of, you know, different life. Um, and then outside of it is just this thick, thick forest. And Alariel is like, she's hesitant to, to really be, um, you know, an ally of Sigmar um, at this time because um, she's angry. And so, like, she's turned the forest into an angry place, and it's, like, uncontrollable. And so you don't go venturing out into the forest because the forest will consume you. And she's worried about, you know, her legacy and her, you know, like, just the continuation of, of her of her, of her life, uh, like of life all around her. Um, and so she's, uh, and, and so the story has a little bit of like, you know, chaos coming in, like Zinch trying to steal the pods and, and different things like that. And, and her trying to, you know, win them back. But it just kind of sets that tone of like, like Guy Ran isn't just this, like, it's not just this nice forest to go walking around in anymore. And we'll get there. But yeah, you know, like, uh, uh, but anyway, so a lot, a lot changes from what you get in the age of myth. Cause then all of a sudden chaos comes. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, um, what just popped in my head when you were saying that was thinking about Alarial and thinking about human cities showing up in, in her, what she considers her world, her realm. Right. Uh, would she, at a glance, really even be able to tell the difference between a human city and a Nurgle city? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, w w all the all the waste we produce, you know, all mm. we consume that we have to cut out all this life to build our stone buildings, even our wood buildings are not living buildings. We 
basically we're making buildings out of bones of her yeah. people. You know, we're killing her people to build our cities. I, I could definitely see her seeing us as the exact same thing. Um, something that's the antithesis of what, what she wants to have happen. Yeah. And I, and I, and that's interesting because I think she sees, like you said, like, would they, would she be able to tell the difference? She probably would at first, but I think what she realizes later is like Sigmar isn't, you know, my friend, my friend. So now you're weighing like, what's the difference between Sigmar and chaos? Yeah. You know, maybe not necessarily in like physical identity, but in like this other sort of identity of like, who's on my side. Yeah. I mean, if it, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but only because. Right. So what's the, the opposite of that? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like the friend of my enemy is my enemy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, <laughs> yeah. Bah, or something like that. I, I don't know. Like to her, like maybe, yeah, Sigmar and chaos aren't friends necessarily, but it's like, they're not, you know, if, if you both aren't my friends, then I guess you're both my enemies. Yeah. And I guess, and, and that's what happened with her. She had to choose. Yeah. And, and at least if she could get a truce with Sigmar, she couldn't get a truce with Nurgle. There's, yeah. there's no way there was going to be a truce there. Yeah. Um, you're right. Uh, I guess that's all I, I have to say about the lore here. I mean, mm. we talked about um, visualizing it. Uh, are there any other uh, fantasy stories or any other ways you would want to bring this realm to life on your table or in your games or in your, your character development? Um, hmm. I feel, I feel like, why don't you go first? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I, I would want to do something that's not the, uh, necessarily what's expected. Just talking about it now. Um, I'm thinking about uh, the forest moon of Endor. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, it's another place that's teeming with life and has all these different, um, type of creatures around. If you could picture, at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, if the Ewoks could also summon some Ents, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing I, I think about. I think about, um, of course, uh, Treebeard being a part of it. But when you know the Sylvaneth are Treebeard, like on steroids with like daggers and like like <laughs> like if uh, if Treebeard had been infected in chaos, or if, like if, like Treebeard's descendants were like these hardcore warriors. That's yeah. Yeah. Like Treebeard had like raised an army of like savage killers. That's the Sylvaneth. Just Well, that's a great I mean, like like you said, chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a chaotic good in that they want life. They're mm. supporters of life, but they're not bound by the laws that men bound themselves to. No. Or bind themselves to. So yeah. so they're you know, they're just out for the survival of the forest. Yeah. Like that's their concern. Yeah. And their, their number one only concern is that, you know, they, they'll make truces when they have to. Yeah. I could see like building into terrain and different things. Like, you know, it's easy to, to take a model and just like hack it up and break it apart. And, oh, there's a ruin, right? And it's a mm -hmm. ruin in the city somewhere. And, and, and you can do whatever sort of effects around it you want. Or it could just be like, hey, here's, here's some land and nobody's lived here for very long. So the ruins are just there. 
And you could add, you know, a little spritz of green here, you know, grass here and there to make it look like moss is coming over top of it. But really, when you're talking about these like uncontrollable forests, yeah. like how can you build that into terrain? So like now when you have a ruin, like how did that become a ruin? Maybe the tree broke that building apart. Yeah, big roots coming through yeah. everything and taking everything down. Right. So now I what I picture is like now all of a sudden the terrain pieces are like the building with like just the uncontrollable roots just like flowing out of it and you know flowing here and there and just creating that sort of um that that you know that uh just creating that terrain on the table to yeah. match Gyran. They talk about the Jade City in here. When you say Jade City, I know they're talking partially about you know the all the green that surrounds the city but i think it'd be neat to take some of these warhammer kits and paint them like they're made of like of actual jade you know oh, have, yeah. like, green stone buildings and like instead of like onyx where you have like these shiny black buildings you have these jade shiny green buildings and, and i think that would be a lot hmm. of fun to see if you're going to do a uh, a realm of life themed table having all this like rich green stone like even just like the you know how you get grass stains on your pants? Like there's so much life right. in the world that like the stone is stained green. Yeah, uh, with all that life. It also reminds me a lot of uh, horror movies uh, where uh, the the monster is a living plant. You know, like <laughs> nice. a little shop of horrors where yeah, you have yeah. Audrey too. There's uh, I think it was Creep Show one or two. There's a, a one of the segments is with Stephen King where he finds this asteroid. But he ends up touching the asteroid and gets like a little bit of moss on his finger that he can't wash away. But then everywhere he touches after that starts moss growing and eventually he's like completely overgrown. I don't want to spoil it, but like it, this moss just spreads yeah. everywhere it touches. And it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a living thing and it's yeah. a life, you know, so that's a, that sounds good and positive life thing, but it, it kills everything mammalian it comes near, Yeah, you know, and so it's not... It's definitely not for all life. And yeah, the whole dynamic again, Nurgle, Nagash, Alariel, and then Sigmar too, they all have this idea of what's good and right. And they're in this constant cycle yeah. of life turning over. Yeah. No, that's great. I, but I really like your idea of like getting the terrain pieces and just having them just overgrown. Like think about uh, all the Aztec temples, mm -hmm. you know, in South America and, um, uh, and just seeing like these jungle temples just covered. And then that reminds me too of the Seraphon. Right. What are they? I mean, I know the Seraphon don't live in their own realm. They're in their spaceship, wherever that is. <laughs> Not a spaceship, jungle right, ship, right. whatever. Jungle ship. But I, nice. I picture a lot of them being out there in these jungles, having their own factions. And the, and the Skaven too, talking about a faction that's all about life. Yeah. I mean, they short mice. Field mice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what was it? Uh, Tractor Day in uh, Secret of Nim. Oh, I don't know. They're just oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they all have to like, oh, right, well, yeah. Here it comes. Out. Here it Get comes. out! Of it. It's coming <laughs> once a year. The tractor comes or something. Yeah, or, yeah. They have to move their whole farm. Right. Uh, but yeah, the Skaven must be out there <sighs> in abundance, and they're and they're again. They're like I know they're aligned with chaos, but I could see them totally fitting in with Alarial, you know. And they're consuming in their turnover, but like if you've actually been around. I've had rats as pets when they make the best pets. Uh, so easy to clean up after. They're friendly. They're fun. They're not like a wild animal. They're they're perfect pets for kids. That if you don't, if you've got kids and they're not ready to take care of something complicated, get a pet pet rat. Um, but they're them being like 
uh, in captivity. They're very clean. They're easy to take care of. So I'm picturing like a Lariel easily having an alliance with the Skaven. I know yeah. they consume a lot, but what's for her, what would be the difference between oh, mouse man. people and humans? I think he just blew my mind with um, the secret of... Uh, secret of Nim? The secret of Nim. <laughs> like that's a Skaven movie. It is. You know, that's a movie about, like, maybe that's a movie from the point of view of Skaven. You know, like all of a sudden it's like, here we think these are like filthy, mean, these nasty little rat, big rats, you know, that always want to fight and cut us and slash us. And it's like, no, like, what if, you know, here it is like, yeah, this, there, there, there's this kind of like this, maybe there's this, uh, this alliance between Skaven and Alariel and, uh, they're you know, cohabitating, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's this nice, you know, lush green place that they can live and they can survive yeah, and they're they just living well. Yeah. yeah. And the Skaven are just living and they're surviving. They're not, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't look like they're punished, like beaten into chaotic moods or something like, I, I don't know why yeah, you're maybe so angry. They could get a break from chaos a little bit. Right. And then all of a sudden, like here comes like Sigmar thinking, Hey, I'm going to create like civilization here. And so he starts just like leveling forests. And all of a sudden you have these like Skaven that are pushed out of these, you know, these forests and these groves and all of these, you know, like these fields, just like in the secret of Nim, all of a sudden here comes the, here comes the lawnmower. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it's like, ah, and then you know, and then it's like, oh my god, I, I hate these people creating new problems for an ecosystem. Maybe those Skaven lived in whatever underground cave when they weren't a problem for Alariel at all. Yeah. But now Sigmar builds his city, drives out the Skaven, and now the Skaven are a problem for Alariel. They yeah. just move this problem somewhere else. Well, they were cohabitating, and now he, Sigmar has disrupted the the ecosystem. Yeah, like most humans do, right? Yeah, and so now all of a sudden, like everybody's in a scramble. And we know from the stories here, Alariel, she isn't very like, I don't think she likes change. She doesn't really like, you know, she likes her life. She likes her realm. Yeah. And then other people coming in, changing things up. It just kind of like, she doesn't handle it well. It seems like she gets really agitated, like people would Mm -hmm. too, right? And then it's like all of a sudden, you know, like chaos breaks out. And she's like, I just want it to be like... It was meant to be. Yeah, she wants her life cycle yeah. intact, her her community intact, and every she's going to resist anything that changes that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and then and then here comes Sigmar, and he's like, "I'm helping you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, and if and then from there, I don't think it's ever the same. No, uh, I do talking again about the Skaven. I have a hard time picturing Skaven allied with Nurgle, because again, like. You, you talk about rats and rotting and uh, well, you've decay. like plague, yeah, spreading they spread the plague plagues and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So that makes sense, and I could see that through the history. But European I, rats, right? You're, I guess, European <laughs> rats. I, uh, I, I, but my experience with rats is that they, um, I don't necessarily. I think it depends on where it is that it's a problem. Rats in a city plague bearers, garbage eaters, they're a problem only because all of the natural resources have been wiped out by the humans in the city. And we just like, the, that's when rats become a problem. They're eating garbage, they're breaking into your home to steal your food. They're, yeah. they're, they're doing all these things that don't help, you know, and they're really bad for humans. 
but because they're forced to, because they're forced to live in this, you know, human city instead of being out in some forest somewhere where they would just survive off of nature and it wouldn't be this big deal. And there's a balance. There's a and balance. then once they're forced, like, you know, into the sewers or into the dark places of the city, that there's no there's no balance yeah, there. There's no now they're, Yeah, and now they're searching for they're searching for survival, which mm-hmm. is food, yeah. right? So that's what a rat's doing. And they they eat whatever they can. They pick up, you know, whatever sort of diseases they pick up or uh, and then they and they continue to spread because yeah. they can't stop. The balance has been broken. So they right. keep they keep like they keep uh um uh they keep growing. Yeah, there's, so there's no population control of any kind. Right. So all of a sudden you have too many of them and then they're trying to go fit into places that they shouldn't be fitting in. And then all of a sudden they're like affecting other things that are there because they're in close proximity and there's, there's aggression because it's like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 like that, and, that, and that's how you get a uh, clan of pestilence, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And it's all, so really it's all Sigmar's fault. Yeah. I think it leads back to Sigmar. Yeah, it keeps coming back to him, like planting his flag. Do you know Eddie Izzard, the comedian? Mm-hmm. Do you have a flag? No, then I guess this is our country now. We don't have a flag, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, you're right. That's yeah. like, and that's how you're right because I see Sigmar coming in to Gyran like Columbus, you know, coming to the New World. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "This is India." Right, <laughs> you are an Indian, yep. and I claim this land. Yeah, and it's so like I'm realizing mm. he's even on the he's on the complete wrong continent. Right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. So there you go. I think that's a uh, Gyran in a nutshell. That's it, Gyran in a nutshell. <laughs> that's a good choice of words. A nutshell. Yep. Because that's where plants come from. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll we'll take another break and we'll talk about realm of battle rules for Gyran. The twin jade kingdoms that formed the Everspring Swath were once a haven for the cycle of life. During the Age of Myth, Elariel made her home there. The blessing of Elariel's presence drives the Twin Isles into new heights of burgeoning fecundity, and a reproductive cycle takes place in the lands themselves. All right, we're back from our break. We're going to talk about Gyran, the Realm of Life, and the Realm of Battle Rules for On the Table. Uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, can you just, anytime either of us says the realm of life, you do that again? I think so. The realm of life. Uh, okay, so uh, the, <laughs> the realm of battle rules. Uh, so if you decide you're going to use the realm of battle rules for the realm of life, here you go. Uh, wizards know the following spell. Shield of thorns at the wizard's command. Crawling brambles burst from the ground, forming a living barrier around his allies. Shield of Thorns has a casting value of 5. If successfully cast, pick a friendly unit within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Until your next hero phase, any enemy unit that finishes a charge move within 3 inches of the unit you pick suffers D3 mortal wounds. That's nice. Shield of Thorns. What you'd expect. And if you remember the old 8th edition spells, the Realm of Life or that realm of life, the life uh, spell list had something similar in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it fits, you know? It's just like a great yeah. little kind of addition to your spell book to be able to cast something like that. Yeah, and it's still, it's very thematic. It's, it's things growing up out of the ground, appearing to uh, 
yeah out of life it's a it's a living thing that's attacking you i i I feel like you could like make some sort of terrain piece for that spell now that we've seen all yes. the malign sorcery stuff, now I feel like most spells should have something <laughs> like a terrain piece yeah. on the table. Yeah, because that could be fun. Oh yeah, I, I, I apparently there's more on the way, and I think yeah. we, I think going forward, I think there's going to be a lot of new new models on the table that are magic living magic yeah. models. Yeah, do you want to uh, read the uh, command ability for sure. us? Command the land in the realm of life. Even the landscape can be bent to your will. You can use this command ability at the end of your hero phase. If you do so, a friendly hero can attempt to cast the Shield of Thorns spell above, even if they are not a wizard, and even if the spell has already been been attempted in the same hero phase. If the hero is a wizard, using this command ability allows them to attempt to cast the Shield of Thorns spell in addition to any other spells they have already attempted to cast. And even if the spell has been attempted by either themselves or another wizard in the same hero phase. That's nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, you can cast this spell too, even though you're not a spellcaster. Yeah. Or even if you are a spellcaster and you've already cast it, you get to cast it again. Yeah. So if it's provided you're the the hero with the command ability. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're gonna fight in this realm, you need to have a terrain piece for this spell. Yeah. It's I gonna get used. You really should. Like if you're if you're hardcore, like we are we are doing our best to be hardcore. If you're hardcore, <laughs> you're gonna have a model for this. Yeah. Yeah, that just makes sense. Yeah. I, later on when we get to the realm of beasts, there's a lot of call in that list for you to have models. Uh extra monsters that you can just put on the table so it makes sense to me too you could it it wouldn't be too hard to do like a just little wall of thorns i guess it would depend on the size of your unit too yeah you know that like if it says it surrounds your unit so if i've got like five guys or if i've got 40 guys this model might look a little different yeah but you could kind of do like some cool model where it's coming up out of the ground and then it's going back into the ground, you know, and it kind of like that, um, uh, like a sea serpent picture. Yeah. You know, like a sea serpent picture. So it's kind of like an endless kind of, you know, piece that's kind of going in and out, in and out. Yeah. Even if it's just like, you're just making a, uh, a marker to put on the table, just like any other objective or, or just to show that there's some kind of condition affecting your unit. You would just have this thing to say, here we go. Yep. Here, here's my shield of thorns. Put yeah. it down here to show that it's, it's there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So realmscape features. Uh, this is the, the D6. You roll a D6 to see what kind of realmscape features you're going to get for the realm of life. Verdant landscape. No, no, no. Like I said, the realm oh, of life. Shit. The realm of life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Do the first one. <laughs> <clears throat> Verdant landscape. The region is lush and vibrant and appears to conceal no lurking dangers. <laughs> that's nice. If you roll the one on these charts, and, that, and that's what I like about it too. I, I, I like a chart that's got some growth to it. And one is important, six is important. It's not just some randomness where yep. it doesn't really matter what you roll. So yeah. This die roll, the higher you roll, the more interesting it's going to be, potentially yep. worse it's going to be. Yep. 
So on a uh, two, you get spontaneous growth. The lands of Gyran, burgeon with all forms of life, waiting below the surface to suddenly bloom forth. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice. On a six up, you can set up a Sylvaneth Wildwood terrain feature anywhere on the mm-hmm. battlefield that is more than one inch away from other models or terrain features. So right, right away, we were just talking about making that, that bramble of thorns for your thorn shield. Uh, this is saying, okay, next time you go to the tournament, make sure you bring at least one Sylvaneth Wildwood with you because you might be called upon to set one up on the table if they're using Realm of Battle rules. Right. Um, so smart on GW's part. Yeah. And I liked, you know, I have one Citadel Wildwood. It, I painted it in a day, um, and it was it was a joy to paint. I like, I like painting wooded areas, so it, yeah. it's a good excuse to have one. Yeah. And just think, like, because of the way the realms are... are um, explained the more central part of the realm is the more normal part of 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 the land and as you move to the outer edges of the realm the magic gets more and more and it gets like uncontrollable and it's just like out at the edges you can't survive because you're just overcome with the magical forces right yeah tears you apart well what if that's that specific spontaneous growth was like like, what if you decided you were fighting closer to an outer edge? That so makes in sense. your narrative, like, you fight in the realm of Gairan and you're out farther than you would be in the middle. I think that role would have to be a little bit more um, easier to get out one of those. So just thinking, like, there's just so much going on. Maybe if you're closer to the edge, maybe it's a four up instead of a six up. And those those woods are coming out a lot more frequent than you think. Yeah, that's yeah. If you want to make it really crazy and like, okay, this particular game for for shits and giggles, let's let's say we're re- we're right out of the edge. So let's roll four times on this chart. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great that's a great thing too. Like, yeah, just you're just rolling for multiples. Yeah. All right. So what's number three? Life springs. It is said that bathing in the life springs of Gairan can cure disease and increase vitality. Before the battle begins, each player picks a hero from their army. Add one to the wounds characteristic of the heroes that are picked. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, nice little reward there. Sure. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Realm of life. You're more, you're more potent when you're mm-hmm. fighting in the realm of life. Uh, talking about the waters, there's another story. I'm, I'm derailing us. Uh, but there's the one story about... Uh, one of the battles, one of the few that I listened to, uh, listen to people talking about it. Apparently there's one story where one of the like pop, not Papa Nurgle, one of those like giant Nurgle guys just gets down in a river and then just like evacuates himself to like poison <laughs> like the, the river. Or the, the great unclean great ones. Great unclean one. Yeah. He's in the river destroying the river. So everything God. downstream is just rotten. Oh. You can't drink any of the water. It's just full of, yeah, Nurgle plague. Ugh. Yeah, so talking about verdant <laughs> waters, better be careful which life spring you're drinking out of. <laughs> right. All right, right. So yeah, so here's number four. Hidden festering corruption. Once the very kingdoms of Gairan were beautiful to look upon, but Nurgle's invading legions have turned many into twisted, blighted places. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice, add one to the dice roll if your army has allegiance to Nurgle. On a five-up, Pick an enemy unit that is within one inch of a terrain feature. The unit you pick suffers one mortal wound. 
that's nice. <laughs> I mean, Nurgle <laughs> wants to fight here. That kind of sounds like the what you were just talking about, the yeah, hidden, festering corruption. Yeah, it flowed like, very well. Right. Oh, you flowed. It did flow well. <laughs> <laughs> he has a healthy flow. Uh, yeah, so once at the start of your hero phase. Yeah, so I guess that's every round, right? Every, every time it's your hero phase, you have the chance to cause a mortal wound to a unit. Am I reading that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you have the chance. You yeah. roll the dice. Uh, you add one to it if you're Nurgle. Yeah. And then you get a chance to, you know, try and do a mortal wound. Yeah, they got they got nurgled. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right, number five. Yeah. Fecund Quagmire. Hasty progress is all but impossible for those attempting to cross the cloying battlefield of this region. Models cannot run unless they are able to fly. Nice. So basically you're fighting in a swamp. Yeah. Yeah. You just, it's all mud and muck and yeah, yeah quagmire. Uh, that, that'd be great for you if yeah. you're playing KO there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'd be no good for me playing my, uh, right. Cause I just came. put my gun line on one end of that and make you, you know, just trek through that swamp to yeah. get me. Or, or just keep doing your thing. You just, cause you can fly, fly everywhere. Right. If, and then I've got the other part of it just flying around doing what I need to do. Yeah. Uh. All right. So, uh, number six, Seeds of Hope. Even though much of the realm of life has been overrun by Nurgle's legions, new hope and new life is always ready to emerge. If a Battleshock roll is an unmodified one, then no models from the unit will flee. In addition, heal all wounds that are currently allocated to that unit. What? Heal all wounds that are currently allocated to that unit. Yeah, so how does that work? So we're in the Battleshock phase at Mm -hmm. the end of the round. Uh, does that mean that, uh, say you took out 20 witch elves this turn, hmm. currently usually, allocated to that unit? Usually when it says, if you've lost models, then you can replace those models. But this doesn't really say, this doesn't really specify, like, if your unit lost models from right. the so table, if it, if you it was put a, them back on the table. If it's a hero or a monster... Yeah, or they just think, heal. yeah, or think like those larger, you know, you, or those units with larger bodies that yeah. have multiple wounds. Then if they've got a guy that that should have five wounds and he's down to two, he can repair all the way back up to five. But then um, it says, in addition, heal all wounds that currently are allocated to the unit that you're rolling the battle shock for. Uh, so it's only if you're rolling a battle shock for that one. So I guess it's only going to matter if it's a unit that's a multiple wound unit. And they have one, and you're only ever going to have one guy with wounds taken out. Yeah. Seems so weird. heal all wounds. So yeah, it, I don't see that coming up very often. Unless it says to, like to that unit. Yeah. It, just, it sounds like it should be more, but it doesn't really give you more. Right. Uh, it, yeah. It sounds better than at least the way I'm interpreting it. Because at this point, all wounds would have already been allocated. So uh, yeah, it's only gonna it's gonna heal somebody that's wounded, but it's not gonna bring back models that are yeah, missing. That's okay. how I understand. All right, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. What do you think of these realm of battle rules? I kind of like them. I kind of like the added. I feel like sometimes you know playing with more than one would be fun. You more know? than one realm. No, more than one uh, realmscape feature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you said, like let's roll a few dice and pick a few of these and have have those going. 
or if they're closer to the edge, like all six of them are in play or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, it just it just sounds like a lot of fun to have a lot of these different, you know, uh, problems going on. Yeah, really, it, or it makes obstacles some re- or really exciting cinematic games. Yeah, you know, you're you're not just playing a, a pitch battle. You know, one army against another. Let's see what we do. No, like, oh no, it's a quagmire here. Yeah, you know, maybe you do one each round. You know, right. you could build up, play a five round game, and start with the the wildwood. Next round's the quagmire, and you just keep building up. Yeah. Um, or if it's a part of your campaign or narrative that it it would just be so good to throw in, um, you know the the life springs or it would be so good to throw in the quagmire you know yeah. to just make it that much more epic yeah of a battle yeah absolutely yeah I, I like that a lot i like the this the effects this will have on the game i like yeah. that a lot yeah uh all right so uh you ready for another break yep. and then we'll go into the malign sorcery book and talk about the spells and artifacts from the realm of life the realm of life. <laughs> in Gairan, where magic had always waxed and waned in cycles, jade energies unseasonably flooded the arboreal lands. Those able to recognize and take advantage of this profusion of power did so with startling rapidity, crafting new spells of rampant growth and healing. <clears throat> I'm just going to cough and snort into my mic every time we start recording just just to disgust myself later. <laughs> so you, every time we go back to edit this, it's going to be like, oh, God. oh man, that sounds so <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are rolling Spells of Gairan, uh, which is in the realm of life. Realm of life. Uh, so these are more of what you would expect uh, for the realm of life. They are the realm of life. <laughs> uh, so I'll start with the first one. Whip vines. The wizard summons forth sentient vines to burst from the ground and assault the foe. Whip vines has a casting value of five. If successfully cast, pick a point on the battlefield within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. Roll a dice for each enemy within three inches of this point. On a four up, the unit being rolled for suffers one mortal wound. That's pretty good. I mean, maybe a little conditional. I mean, you want to optimize it when you've got your enemy in a clump. Yeah. You know, to uh, try and get as many rolls as you can. One mortal wound, that seems like the new standard with a lot of the spells. Yeah. One, like a guaranteed mortal. Uh, I think the, the goal is to get three mortal wounds. If, if you're going to spend points... If you're going to spend um, time with a wizard to get a spell off, you, you want three mortal wounds. That seems mm. like the new standard. That's why I think that's why they nerfed the, uh, what was the old one? In the, the, the Arcane Bolt? Arcane Bolt. I was going to say Arctic Blast, but that's... <laughs> that's Arctic <laughs> Blast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Gatorade flavor. Or like It's not like a spell. <laughs> They did nerf that as well. They did, did you, nerf the arc, that. That Gatorade flavor was like, you know, the bomb back in the day. 
my nerf now. Yeah. I mean, you can't even get a mortal wound out of it, really. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, so it seems like now the standard is D3 mortal wounds. If, it, if you can do more than D3, that is something special. But, but three mortal wounds is like the goal. And this whip line seems like casting value of five. If you can drop it on three units that are close enough together, that, that's, that's when it's useful. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't... I, I, I can't imagine picking this spell for just like a one-off unit. Yeah, for just no, a one-off. You just no. do you you do an arcane bolt. Yeah. Well, and it's the same casting value, I think, right? Yeah, but it's I don't five. think it's on a four-up. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so right. this yeah, there's so a, a little four bit up. of a risk. Yeah, yeah. There's that that second roll in there that changes yeah. everything. So yeah, you, you'd only want to cast this spell if you you had that one condition of them. Yeah. they're all close together. Yeah. All right, what's the next one? Mirror pool. Stepping lightly into a small puddle, the wizard disappears and emerges uh, from another pool of water some distance away. Mirror pool has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, remove the caster from the battlefield and set them up again anywhere within 18 inches of their previous position. More than nine inches from any enemy models. I think this is pretty good if you've got like if you've got a like a a tough caster, like if I had Marathi, this would be super valuable. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you just be able to just boop on another Zoom. part of the table. Yeah, yeah. Eight mover, eighteen inches. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That I for or think those, if you're like a vampire lord, yeah, and you needed yeah. to like get over to Ooh. another unit to buff the other unit. Yeah, because they have the ability to give another unit. Uh, like an additional attack. Yeah. And so if it was like over here and you're like, no, I got to get over there, like, zoop. Navigation in Age of Sigmar movement is it's such a huge thing. And I still like, a, a big part of my brain is still stuck in 8th edition where I, I'm still thinking about how how long it used to take to get across the table and how those first two rounds were about shooting and positioning. Age of Sigmar is like, boom, boom. You can cross the table so yeah. quickly. Uh, this this seems like a, a really valuable spell. It does, yeah, and especially because you can you can meet some pretty nasty wizards. Yeah, and, and if you have an army that's dependent on being able to cast spells every round, being able to just get out of trouble or get into a position where next round you can like drop your nuclear bomb spell hmm. on on whatever target you need to, you can have being able to jump eighteen inches is that that is a very valuable thing. Yeah. One of the things I do want to mention with mirror pool is that stepping lightly into a small puddle. What if there aren't any puddles? Mm. I just picture the wizard just just whipping it out. I'm going to make my own puddle. All right, here we go. Here it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I say whipping it out, I mean their canteen. Yes, obviously, of their course. water skin. That's where they would like they would have that on hand to create their their puddle when they need to. Of course. Yeah. You want to do the next one? No, yeah, you did that one. I'll do this one. Yep. Realm Blood. The wizard summons the healing energies of Gyran to empower them. Realm Blood has a casting value of seven. If successfully cast, heal D3 wounds allocated to the caster. So, I, I mean, I don't know how often this is going to come up. Casters, I think on average, you're going to think they're going to be between, what, like around five wounds. Uh, most of you are like... Yeah. Unless you're like like you're a unless you're Marathi, unless you're Marathi, but Marathi can't heal. 
she's got that rule that says she can only take three wounds around. Yes. Someone's going to listen to this and say, no, dummy, you're wrong. But don't call me dummy, please. But with, <laughs> do correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, my self-esteem can't handle it if you call me names. But um, yeah, it's part of her war, war scroll that she can't heal. Oh, okay. But that's why she can never take more than three wounds around. Mm-hmm. So that's the trade-off. That yeah. She's like got this magic about her, but she can never heal herself either. But if I'm playing like my Archon the Black, yeah, then it's like, all right, I can heal D3 wounds. Yeah, and he, how many spells can he cast? Do you remember? He can cast... Um, oh, geez, you put me on the spot here. I'm trying to think. Um, he, he knows one spell from all the other casters in the army. And then he himself knows, I think, two or three spells. Okay. Maybe two spells. That's right. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I, he comes in powerful with, like, numbers of other casters in the army. Well, one thing I want to pass on to, if, if there is anybody listening out there. Um, so Nicholas, <laughs> Nicholas and I are recording this one, and... Uh, as you listen to us record, there's been like, you know, it takes a, a little time to record all this. So as we record these different segments, we are drinking beer. <laughs> so as we continue to record, now we're in like the final segment. So we're on our third beer uh, of the session. And usually it's like third beer of the session. <laughs> the session is right around when I get into my like that 2.5 beers point where I'm like, I can't really yeah. speak anymore. And I, I definitely can't think clearly. And I'm definitely not focused. I can't focus on anything. I think saying third beer of the night is better because it's third like, well, how many night. sessions are they recording today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, third beer of the night, third beer yeah. of the evening while we're working on this. Uh, to add to that, um, we just, uh, took a break. Yes. Uh, Haley, my wife was here and she said, Hey, as long as you're on a break, let's have a shot of bourbon. It's Friday night. Yep. So we had that shot of bourbon too. Jim Beam, which, mm. you know, it's on everybody's shelf, uh, Jim Beam. Uh, but you can't go wrong. You it know? goes down easy. Yeah. It's an American classic. Anyway, uh, back to the show. Uh, do you want to talk about the Briar Storm? I do. The wizard summons a hail of sharpened thorns from above to saturate an area. Briarstorm has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick a point on the battlefield within 18 inches of the caster. Until your next hero phase, any unit that finishes a move within three inches of that point suffers D3 mortal wounds. So this is very much like the uh, realm of battle uh, spell the, that you get as well. Shield of Thorns. Shield of Thorns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I, yeah. I, I like being able to control the battlefield. Like we were just saying, it seems like Age of Sigmar, it, it's about movement right. and mortal wounds. And if you're moving fast and you put an obstacle in the way, it could it could just make somebody make a misstep. Yeah. And that's what you're looking to do. Yeah. And a lot of these things is you're looking to... Um, Create a misstep, and then from there, um, hopefully that gives you the advantage that you get the next turn. 
And so I, I, I like this kind of stuff. I like putting stuff out there that gives somebody pause in going, do I want to charge that person right now? Or do I want to move there? Oh, maybe I don't. And then next thing you know, they, they don't do all the forces they were going to do because they left somebody behind because they thought they were going to get hurt or something. You know what I mean? And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, you should have done it. You yeah, know? you make people second guess. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that, that's a big deal. Control the battlefield. You know, put this on a, an objective. Yeah. You know, like they, they need that objective to win. Let's, let's, oh, yeah. Let's soften them up. Yeah. The next one, Flesh to Stone. And this is one that was in the old 8th uh, edition spells as well. The wizard transforms their flesh to impervious stone, protecting them from the blows of the enemy. Flesh to Stone has a casting value of 7. If successfully cast, re-roll successful wound rolls for attacks that target the caster until your next hero phase. So this is a, a debuff to your opponent. Uh, I could definitely see using this. And again, you know, it's all about protecting the caster. If you're, yeah. if you're a magic-heavy army, you've got a, a hero that can cast more than one spell. And particularly if I'm fighting a shooting army, I, I, definitely, I, I could definitely see myself using this. And I think most of the time... My wizards, I think of them as like being a type of artillery unit, so I'm going to be keeping them out of the fight mm-hmm. as much as possible. So the only time I think I need that defense is when, when I'm facing a shooting army. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I think I'm going to get the most use out of shoot um, a flesh to stone. I played against uh, a guy who had a, uh, a savage orc army that was the... Uh, man, I, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's the... Um, that one command ability. Oh, the cunning ruck. The cunning ruck. Oh man, the cunning ruck. <laughs> the cunning ruck. This guy had a, a big Tupperware container full of dice. He had his normal dice bag and this Tupperware container full of dice. It, it must have been a hundred dice in there. But the cunning ruck with the shooting and the re rolls and everything. He was. Um, he he was regularly throwing down thirty forty dice. Yeah, in in a, a shooting phase, and re-rolling half of them. Yeah. Um, so throwing this in there, having to re-roll the successful ones, I think this would just be so tedious for him. <laughs> if he was, if if I cast flesh to stone on his target, and then all of a sudden, oh, man, he's got to re-roll all these dice. But the thought too of having having a, a lone hero having to face this that cunning ruck. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty brutal. You know, yeah. and you know me talking about Daughters of Cain that, you know, you take out that cauldron of blood and then it's all downhill for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was able to take out the, the cauldron of blood in the second round just doing so much shooting on the one yeah. unit. Even even having the uh, uh, the different types of saves that I can get, it's still like, it, it, it was a brutal game. Yeah. It haunts me still. <laughs> all right, what's next? Sickle Wind. The wizard launches a spectral jade sickle that scythes bloodily through the enemy's ranks. Sickle wind has a casting value of seven. If successfully cast, pick a point on the battlefield within 12 inches of the caster that is visible to them and draw an imaginary straight line one millimeter wide between that point and the closest part of the caster. Each unit other than the caster that has models passed across by this line, suffers D3 mortal wounds. That's pretty good. I mean, we were talking again about D3 being the standard. Yeah, it is good if you are 
going to be putting a caster in rain that in a, in, in a 12 inch range of other units. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where, um, yeah. I mean, you just have to think, is my caster going to be that close? Yeah. And I think this is kind of, this is kind of tent like lens maybe more towards like beefier spell casters. Yeah. Like your, your big, like a Marathi. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone con or somebody that's going to go out there in the front lines and be fighting and be 12 inches within somebody. Well, there's also the umbral spell portals. So I believe you could use this spell through those and draw that 12 inch line from the second portal, which is 12 inches away already. Ah, yeah, I think this, and it would go all the way back to the caster. Oh yeah. That's a good point too. I get, I no, I think it would, it would go all the way back to the portal. This way I would understand it. Okay. Because I, I I would have to double check the wording on the Umbral Spell Portal, but I'm betting, uh, not seeing it directly in front of me, that it would just be a straight line back to the portal, okay. not to the caster. If it was to the caster and you had your geometry right, I'm sure you could figure out a way to make a 24-inch line yep. going across the table. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's, so there you go. That's Sickle Wind. That's the last of the spells. What do you think of the spells of Gairan? Um I think they're pretty good. I mean, I think they, um, you know, they, they sometimes throw out some things that you're like, yeah, I probably wouldn't ever use this. Uh, this is, seems like a very specific related item, um, especially for people that don't have aggressive wizards, like, you know, as mm. far as on the battlefield, like yeah. getting in your face. Um, you know, some of these aren't going to be very attractive to them, but um, I could also see uh, what what I feel like is some of this stuff then has to be used narratively. And I know we kind of throw that word around a lot, but I feel like, you know, using these helps kind of mix in um, a lot of flavor if you force it. And I feel like you do that through the narrative. Yeah. So you make a reason why they have to use this spell or a reason why they have to choose between some of these spells. And then they have, you know, because to me, I I look at it and go, wow, I've got all this game, but I'm ever going to use, I'm only ever going to use this small faction of it competitively. But we're not talking about competitively here. We're talking narratively. We're talking about a story. You're moving through the process. You're meeting people. People only know certain things when you're meeting them at those places. They only have certain things when you meet them there or whatever it is that you're looking for or you're learning along the way. You're not going to know everything or have access to everything that you might in a competitive scenario. So for me, I, I feel like... Maybe you just got to like throw these little things out there and it helps add some flavor to the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Particularly with the malign sorcery stuff, I I can't remember how much the the whole box was, but you can't expect everybody to have this. You can't expect not everybody's going to be running the endless spells. And even if they are, um, not everybody's going to be using this spell list either on top of that. And if, if this is part of the game... Yeah, I think I think there needs to be a, an organic way to put that out on the table and and it, like you said, force force that condition to use it because not everybody's going to be bringing this book. Not everybody's read this, um, or, or will have a reason to to open the pages to this. Right. Talking about narrative, I think I think it's possible to keep a narrative alive in a tournament setting 
if, like you said, like you, you force the situation and say, here's the deal, all your wizards know this spell when you play on this table. This round of the tournament, everybody has access to this spell or this thing because you want to keep it narrative, cinematic, and interesting for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Cool, so we'll take a, uh, a quick break and we'll talk artifacts. Let's do it. The raw magic that flooded the lands in the wake of the Necroquake suffused ancient blades, crept into the cracks of storied suits of armor, and enchanted even seemingly mundane trinkets. Same cough <laughs> before every take. I'm gonna just look for that. It's, it's like the and, set, the intro. And then I kind of over dramatize it. So yeah, if you look oh, at it and go like, "Man, Nicholas sucks. What is <laughs> what is happening?" It's a little, it's a little over dramatization, which is which is fine. It's a dramatic <clears throat> uh, dramatic show we're making. It is. <laughs> All right, we're back from our break. Uh, we are now talking about the artifacts of the realms. Uh, so the artifacts of Gairan and Gairan is the realm of life. Realm of life. Uh, so I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the first one. The first one is the entangling blade. As this blade strikes the foe, vines burst from the earth to bind the target. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be an entangling blade. If the bear scores one or more hits on an enemy hero or monster, with that weapon, subtract one from the hit rolls for the enemy hero or monster until the end of the phase in which the hits were scored. Again, kind of conditional. What do you think? Yeah, but if the bear scores one or more hits on the enemy, like, they're gonna do that, right? On a hero or monster. Hero or monster. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, uh, it's conditional. You're right. But nice to just nerf, like you were saying, like throw a nerf on them like make them weaker yeah and you're and in some of this you know in some of these settings i feel like man if i have the opportunity to send my hero after another hero like it's gonna happen love it every time i get a chance to do that yeah and um that's probably why i don't do like awesome in uh you know in in tournaments tournaments is because like Outside of tournaments, I always just kind of feel the need to like just put myself in the shoes of those models on the table and say like, you know, after playing dwarves and after playing um, orcs and goblins for so long, it's like, what are they going to do? They're always going to fight the hero <laughs> to hero. There's ne- they're never going to back down. And That's, I mean, it's so boring if you don't. Yeah. There's times to be strategic, and obviously, if you're in a tournament, and like, but so often the strategic, smart choice is the boring choice. Like, if you're in a tournament where it's, you know, the most wounds caused, and I'm, I've got more wounds caused, you know, yeah, I, I'm, my score is higher. Strategically, I'm going to run away. Yeah. How boring is that? Yeah. I mean, I, you're right. It is. Um, I always remember this fight, like me and you had. It was in old the old world stuff, and it was like. I had uh, this, um, you know, this orc champion on on the wyvern. So mm-hmm. it was like the orc war boss on the wyvern, and uh, you had like a manticore and some sort of like 
Dreadlord on a Manticore or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I just, just, it's like if the opportunity is there for my guy to like reach your guy, he's going to do it. And so I remember doing that, and your guy just like sliced him to bits. It was like no problem. I think it was like one round, just like, you know, and it, and, 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 but still, I would do it again. <laughs> because it's a, you remember that. You remember that from years ago. Yeah. How how much fun that was. Of course, right. you have to do that again. That's that's why this game is so much fun. Yeah. So I could see hero to hero, often. Yeah. Worth worth taking for that reason. I remember we we had that picture up on the Facebook page forever too. Yeah. Yeah. I think took, it was that picture actually. Yeah, that's what I I think so too. Yeah. Distinctly, like we still have the picture from that particular fight. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Uh, uh, this one's yours. All right. The Jade Wound Thorn. The slightest nick from this envenomed blade can be fatal. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be the Jade Wound Thorn. If the hit roll for that weapon is 6+, that attack inflicts one mortal wound in addition to its normal damage. That's nice. Yeah. If you've got, I mean, yeah, if you've got a hero that's, doing a lot of attacks and the opportunity to do you know one out of six of those attacks to be a mortal wound yeah why not yeah yeah that's great and this game's all about mortal wounds exactly number three blade of hammerhall gyra the blade was forged to defend the city of hammerhall gyra pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a blade of hammerhall gyra Add one to the attack's characteristic of this weapon. And Gyra is the realm of life. The realm of life. Yeah, just wanted to, <laughs> to get the whisper out there again. Uh, add one to the attack's characteristic of the weapon. If only you could take both artifacts on the one. You know, to just get the extra attack and get the, you know, the one more opportunity to roll the six up and get the yeah. wound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that this was the blade of Hammerhall Gyra. Did I miss it when we were talking Akshi? Was there a blade of Hammerhall Akshi? I don't recall. Look at that now. This shayish. But I like this one. I mean, add one to the attacks characteristics of this weapon. Like, if you have a pretty badass hero and he's got, you know, limited attacks, like I'm thinking the Arcanaut Admiral. He's got a pretty nasty hammer. He can do some rend. He can do some damage. But he only has, like, a few attacks. So if I add one more, like, that's maximizing, like, an extra 25 or extra 30% more attack. Yeah. Like, that's pretty good. And you've got guys that can buff him, too. Can you ether chemist also? Like, if he's nearby, he could. Yeah. yeah. Is that likely you would do that, though? Um, uh, You know, who knows? Like, if you're down to the wire and it and it... It's more beneficial for me to get an attack on that admiral. Like, of course, I would do that. I could see that happening later in the game. So later mm. in the game, it's kind of down to the wire. You've got your admiral, your chemist, maybe a few arcanauts. Yeah, buff the admiral. Uh, give him plus one attack. He gets plus one attack from this. You know, now he's doing almost twice the amount of attacks. And then the chemist is also minusing attack from people within three inches. Like, it, yeah, it could it could be good. That's cool. Uh, I did just double check. 
I, I, I might be wrong. I, I don't see anywhere where there's a blade of Hammerhall Akshi. Hmm. So why is it necessary to say blade of Hammerhall Gyra? Unless there's some somewhere else there exists a blade of Hammerhall Akshi that I don't know about. You mean like specifying, you know, which Hammerhall this is? Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. this one specifically says the blade of Hammerhall Gyra. And we yeah. know the other side of Hammerhall is Akshi. Yeah. Well, because well, you want it to be just a Gyran artifact well yeah you and don't I get want it that, to be but an Akshi I was hoping there would be an Akshi yeah. one that would be like you like, know like the other side of the it the other side of it yeah like this one gives you an extra attack and that one gives you I don't know some kind of like because it's fire ongoing damage or I don't know I don't right. know what I would do for it but I would like to have seen a and then yeah. to see in action like those two blades go against each other yeah like we're, <laughs> we're teaming up in our like hammer hall themed game yeah. my general has the Gyra your general has the Akshi and uh, yeah, we're both trying to slay the dragon together. Yeah, like yeah, something like that. I think would be the you know. power of the blade, Hammerhall blades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our team up name, the Blades of Hammerhall. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Right. Anyway, I was surprised there wasn't one there. Did you just read that one? Um, yes. No, I, I think I did. No, you did. All right, so this one's you. The Sunder Blade striking the ground with this weapon sends out devastating shockwaves. In your shooting phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within nine inches of the bear. On a six-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. That's fun. I like that. And I like, uh, again, if this is like a hero that you're going to throw into combat. Yeah. yeah. It's only enemy unit. If it, Yeah. Yeah. And, the, you know, the part about this is you can use it every turn, right? Because it's a part of his weapon. Or it's or it, yeah, it's, part it's, of him. it's a conditional thing. Strike, so yeah. it's not like once per game, and, and, and it's in your shooting up. phase. Yeah. yeah. So there's possibility there. There is. Um, it's not like take this over something else. Yeah, I can't see myself thematically probably picking that up, but I, you know, who knows? You know, yeah. it's it's good. I Narratively, mean, if you fight through some sort of area and you. And you and you look to see the spoils of your war, and this may be something you find. Yeah, you know, then you can decide like how many RPG games do you play, and that you know you get these random things, and you use them or you don't use them. Like they're just there for you to choose to just spice it up. Yeah. So that's what I see this as. I can see that. All right, the next one, Gur Strike. This blade glows with a green light. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be Gur Strike. I have one to hit and wound rolls for this weapon. Hmm. Yeah, I like the name. Gur Strike. Yeah. Gur Strike. That's add one to hit and wound rolls for this weapon. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Especially if you have like a a hero that gets like six attacks. Yeah. You know? Plus one to hit, plus one to wound. And think, yeah. I know my uh, daughters of Cain, they're all about, um, I just totally got distracted. <laughs> Someone intentionally distracting me in the background. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, anyway, I'm going to try to get my head back on track. Um, so, what were we talking about? Gur Strike. I'm sorry. Gur Strike. Uh, yeah. Uh, plus one to hit, plus one to wound. I know the Daughters of Cain Army, um, they're all about the buffs. Yeah. They're, they, like, and they're all about the millions of attacks. Millions of attacks. So, like, yeah, if I can just keep buffing and buffing. Uh, more attacks, 
more wounds. Yeah. Yeah, your you know, slaughter queen is doing like two up to hit, two up to wound at that point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're failing on ones, re-rolling ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. Uh just just to be able to yeah, I mean the the ones still always fail, but yeah, like well, yeah, yeah, but you got a, a second chance at it because usually you've got something that rerolls your ones. Yeah, one of the things I loved in Eighth Edition, which I, I love seeing these new artifacts because it brings it all back again. I love being able to customize a hero and make it my own unique hero. Yeah, you know that that does what I want it to do, and of course I want a fighty hero. You know, I want a hero that's gonna like you don't want to face it alone. You know, yeah. like you were saying with that one, the one I had on the Manticore back in the day that, yeah, I want something that's scary. You got to watch out for it. And something like this makes makes a hero like that scary. Yeah. All right. So that does it for the artifacts oh, of power no. weapons. No, there's one more. Oh, the arboreal stave. Yeah. Lashing vines extend from this evergreen branch to instare the foe. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick an enemy hero within three inches of the bear that is visible to them and roll a dice. On a five up, that hero cannot make a pile-in move this combat phase. Yeah, that's... uh, It can be kind of disappointing for the other player to all of a sudden not be able to pile in and attack with their hero. to just be shut down like that. Yeah. So nerve-wracking. Playing, talking about Dungeons & Dragons... uh, fourth edition D and D um, I loved fourth edition. I, I a lot of people are going to just automatically disregard <laughs> me as a human being because I loved it, but I loved it because I love miniatures game. I love strategic combat. And I, it was, even though it did take a while, if you weren't coordinated between player and dungeon master, if the dungeon master wasn't doing something to control pace, uh, that game took forever not to distract with that whole other game. Um, but one of the things that drove me nuts in those games was, yeah, if someone did something to me where I just couldn't act for an entire turn, you know, yeah. just like shuts me down completely. That so maddening, so nerve wracking uh, to just like let your other the other player just do whatever they want. And you got to just sit there and not not be able to move, not be able to pile in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that that sounds to me like a great artifact to take if you're going to if you are going to hunt other massive heroes. Yeah. So I could see me putting that like on, uh, you know, a hero that's going to go pick out Nagash and, or is going to pick out, you know, Marathi and not give you the, give you the chance to have your turn in combat. Yeah. Particularly if you're already in combat. It's, yeah. it's at the start of the combat phase. Yeah. That, that could be really valuable yep. to be able to do that. Because it doesn't have to be your combat phase. It doesn't say that. It just says, at the start of the combat phase, you can pick an enemy hero within three inches of the bearer. So you can do this every, yeah. every combat phase right. if you're within range. Right. That's pretty cool. Oh, so you wouldn't, on a five up, you wouldn't be able to attack. I mean, if you got lucky, there could be multiple turns in a row that you don't get to attack. Yeah. Yeah, that oh. five up doesn't make it as attractive right and, it's, and it, again it's another one of those it's really conditional but yeah i think when it when it did work out it would be pretty annoying yep uh now we're going to talk about the artifacts of power the relics of gyran which is the realm of life you're not gonna you gonna do the thing realm of life 
There it is. I'll go, I'll go first. The hyper snare seeds. These seeds can be thrown at the ground beneath the foe to cause an entangling carpet of vines to birth, burst forth. So at the end of your opponent's shooting phase, pick an enemy unit within eight inches of the bear that is visible to them and roll a dice. On a five up, that unit may not charge in the subsequent charge phase. That's nice to get to do it on your opponent's turn. At the end of your opponent's shooting phase, so right yeah. before they go into combat, you say, wait a minute. No. Hmm. On a five up, that unit may not charge. And that's just like the annoying role that just kind of sets the tone sometimes. Yeah. And then you're just like, yeah, that, that would be so obnoxious. Waiting because, like, again, it, it wouldn't hit you until round two or three, and then you're about to make that charge. Yep, son of a gun, pivotal five roll, pivotal moment. Yeah, Just, yeah, and again, this is like so much about this game, it comes down to one or two rolls, those pivotal moments where, like, I rolled that five up and it just like just wrecks your army, you know, yep. just that minor thing, but yeah, it's it's the, the thing that brings you down, the thing you remember, exactly. All right, next one. Yep. Verdant Mantle. This leafy garment feeds on nearby etheric energies. In your hero phase, the bear may attempt to dispel one endless spell in the same manner as a wizard. If the bear is a wizard, this does not prevent them from casting any spells during this phase. Huh. I mean, I... Yeah. This seems to me like... If endless spells become a big deal, that yeah. we're always seeing too many of them. Well, they're game deciders. Yeah. And yeah. this could definitely be something to help ward off, especially for dwarves that don't have wizards. Yeah. So, you know, uh, give that to one of the guys and then uh, and then they can stop endless spells. Very valuable. All right, the next one, Jade Diadem. The Jade Diadem vitalizes its wearer, allowing them to survive even the most grievous blows. Each time you make a successful save roll of six up for the bearer, heal one wound allocated to them. That's, that's very realm of life. And I, I like that. I like that a lot. If you're, if you're uh, the type of hero that's going to be a target all game long, mm. uh, yeah, being able to, like, get wounds back when you make that six. Yeah. I, I can see you doing that. All right. Green glade fat flask. Mm-hmm. Green glade sap is a potent source of healing energy. Once per battle in your hero phase, the bear can drink from the green glade flask. If they do heal D six wounds allocated to them. Yeah. Another handy one. Yeah. You know, you're, you're counting on that one hero. They can just keep healing wounds. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, once they can heal D6 wounds. Yep. So hopefully it's a good roll. Hopefully it's but a good hey, roll. That's the name of the game. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Number five, Gyropian Gauntlets. These leather gloves compel the wearer to surge towards the foe. The bearer can move an extra three inches when making a pile-in move. That's pretty good. So it's like most likely a six-inch pile-in. Yeah. Um, don't one of don't one of your units get six inches to pile in? Yeah, the, the sisters um, of slaughter. Sisters of slaughter get a six inch pile in. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of units out there that do. Off the top of my head, I can't yeah. think of others. But um, it's kind of you know like unsettling. 
Yeah. Uh, as a res- as a recipient of that. That's a <laughs> big move. Yeah. You know, so if you if you've got somebody that, you know, their move is 6, they charge 6, say, and then now they get a 6-inch pile in. So now you're moving 18 plus inches to get to well, the target you want. You'd have to charge them and 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 successfully charge. Yes. But you all of a sudden now get way more models into that combat than you thought maybe. So if I attack you and think, well, I'm just going to scoot a couple guys over here and just like, you know, be able to attack your guys a little bit and stay within, you know, not getting too many in contact. Like all of a sudden six inch move is, you know. It, yeah, it's a big deal. But say it's say you're fighting a big monster like a Star Drake or something like that. So I make my charge on the Star Drake, huge footprint on the table. It's the closest enemy, but by six inch pile in, I might be able to swing far enough around it to actually lay my attacks on whatever the Star Drake was protecting, mm. you know, yeah. a weaker hero or something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, now for people that are, you know, trying to, to layer their infantry unit and then the people in the back can, you know, attack two inch you know, two inches. So then you can't touch them until you get rid of the infantry. Well, hopefully maybe a six inch pylon you could swing around and. Yeah. Yeah. If I've got like a, something big, like, um, uh, like a a Lord Celestine on a star Drake, something that's got a nice, nice big base and Mm. I I reach to a couple of their weapons. Yeah. You could potentially with that extra move, you can get out there and hit some things that you thought your opponent thought were, was protected. Yeah. All right. The next one, the Wand of Restoration. This wand can manipulate the regenerative magic of Gairan. In your hero phase, pick a friendly model within six inches of the bear that is visible to them. Heal one wound allocated to that model. Yeah, I mean, here you go. Healing wounds. Yeah, and it's not just once. I expected it to say once per battle, but it doesn't. Yeah, you know, it just says once per once, you know, oh, you could do it every hero phase. Yeah. Healing a wound. Yeah. So that, that's nice. Yeah. A nice staying power. If you've got, if you've got an army that needs to stall, I mm-hmm. could definitely see taking this, like, particularly if I need to protect my cauldron of blood, I need that thing to stick around. If I can every wound, every round, just heal a wound to it. Yeah. And you could do yourself as well. Yeah. So you're you now. Can, you can do yourself. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Uh, so that is uh, the realm of life. The realm of life. <laughs> we, uh, I think, we talked all the stuff. Um, taking taking in from that, is there? Uh, does that change your like cinematically, narratively, like change your view of the realm of life and ha- what you would do on the table? Realm of life. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I think it helps, kind of excite me a little bit more about fighting in the realm of life the realm of life <laughs> and uh i think uh i think it adds a lot of potential to adding it to the narrative because i i'm just excited about you know playing some games and building you know some sort of story into it and we're we're here we're there we're gonna find ourselves in the realm of life yeah. at some point and these two with the artifacts and the spells you say where your army is from. 
the realm of battle is where they are. Right. But the the artifacts and spells, that's where your army is from. So I right. could see doing some fun modeling stuff with this. You know, it talks about that the wand and the sword with the vines on it. You know, mm-hmm. I could see putting that on when I'm doing my bases, I could see putting that on my model too. Yeah. You know, like customizing the weapons. I know for uh for one of my D D games I found a, a model I really liked, but he was supposed to be like a uh, he needed to have a wand. He didn't have a wand already. So I actually, I, I made a wand out of like a, a staple with some green stuff to put some vines around it because I wanted it to be already a, like a, a very woodsy kind of wand that had vines on it. Mm-hmm. So that, that right there, I could see doing that again. If I knew that my, my go-to was going to be this wand of life to keep everything alive, I could see customizing my character to be carrying it. Yeah. And, and, you know, in that story, in the narrative of, you know, meeting these people along the way or, or meeting, you know, or doing a little dungeon crawl or doing something where you're finding artifacts that aren't necessarily from the place you're in. Yeah. You know, you could find this artifact and that tells you something about the person that was there. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a realm of life artifact. Oh, you know, then all of a sudden maybe you're putting pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. And again, talking about the mortal realms and how huge this, because it's not one world, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all these different worlds that are all, you know, all together. And like within the game, what kind of characters do you think are going to see all the realms in their lifetime? Yeah. You know, not, you know, like not many. No. Yeah. Super rare. It's only like the big name characters that are maybe going to go to all the different realms. So for someone to you know find one of these artifacts from a realm they've never been to what a huge yeah uh like amazing fantasy concept you know to yeah. find these magic items from different planets you know yeah essentially that's what it is yeah i i really think that's a lot of fun i really i'm looking forward to i'm hoping a lot of people do it i'm, I'm hoping there's a lot of people out there that model their armies for specific realms and have realm specific um not just the bases, but to the models, models themselves. They look like they're from a specific type of realm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Any uh, last thoughts before we uh, we put this one to bed? <sighs> no, I think just uh, get ready to make some vines. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of vines to make. We got to make all of our uh, our thorns and vines on the yes. table. Uh yeah, so that's been our episode about the Realm of Life. Realm of Life. And uh, so now we're going to sign off with our traditional sign-off. Whoa! I couldn't even count right. I went like... <laughs> Gairan, the realm of life. Realm of life. The realm of life. Gairan, the realm of life. The realm of life. The realm of life. Yeah. I need to bring uh, some civility to this land. <laughs> Do you have a flag? Just whipping it out. I'm going to make my own puddle. He has a healthy flow. You can do yourself. I said the realm of life.
the realm of life. The realm of life. The realm of life. Realm of life. <laughs> That's a guy ran in a nutshell. The realm of life.